what we found out after 21 cores is that there are things that overlap every single startup from ideation to pre-seed investment ready, right? And so that that is the scientific uh, building blocks of a startup. It's, the, it's as hard as gravity. Welcome to the ATX DAO podcast, the hub for exploring the forefront of blockchain technology and Austin's Web3 community. Your hosts, Nick, Mason, Luke, and Ash connect you with innovators within ATX DAO and beyond as we venture into the world of decentralized technology. So crack open a beer and join us for a front row seat to learn about the innovations and trends shaping our digital future. This is the ATX DAO podcast. So Albert, thanks for joining us today. Uh, awesome to have you on the show. I would love to just hear a little bit about your background and what you're working on. I think we want to spend a lot of time digging into Bitcoin Startup Lab, but walk us back a little bit. How'd you get into this crazy world? It was actually, uh, at the time, it felt like an unfortunate turn of events, but you know, there's, there's truth in that saying there's a silver lining to, to every storm right, or every cloud. And at the time, uh, well, I mean, maybe I should go back a little bit further because I, I joined the Bitcoin crypto um, world in 2022. So I was, I was actually a very late comer to the game, you know, and, and I was a naysayer. Right? My brother tried to get me into uh, to, to buy some, get some Bitcoin in like 2009. It's like very early. I was like, like, this is like so complicated. This is a scam, right? Um, but, um, but before I get into how I got into Bitcoin, uh, you know, I mentioned there's a unfortunate at the time it seemed unfortunate turn of events, but but um, in 20, 2014, uh, after becoming a serial entrepreneur for about fourteen years, right? I started my career in, in Silicon Valley as a software engineer. Hit the dot com crash, VC funding got pulled, the startup I was working for went under. I just moved to China. That was like two thousand one. Started my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, the offline, online, the startups, businesses. Uh, I tried a lot. I tried a lot. Right in 2014, I finally found my my life's calling, which is to help people turn that idea into an investment ready pre seed startup. Right? It's basically a no fly zone for a lot of investors and accelerators, etc. Right? And, yeah. And um, and the reason why I want to do that is because I, I, from my point of view, I feel like the the thing that's broken in our world is that there's there's something missing in our innovation cycle right so you know i had the fortunate opportunity to have some friends who became unicorn company founders etc and i noticed that when i invite them to to help people uh at the ideation stage they weren't really excited they want to help people who sort of already like half stood up yeah, you know right and then i asked them like what, what why are you guys more interested to do that what they're like well we had to like you know when we had idea no one helped us we had to prove something before investors want to invest in us, right? And so they're socialized. It's like part of the culture to, all right, when I speak, become successful, I'll help somebody, but not, not too early, right? But yep. that is ridiculous to me because what, what do we know, actually? What is the natural order of things? When we're born and we can't even crawl, someone had to take care of us and for in order for us to stand up and become independent, right? So that, imagine a world where, the baby's born and then, oh no, they have to stand up first. Or they have to at least crawl before we help them out. Every baby would be dead. They'd be the end of humanity, right? So I said, well, how awesome would it be if every single successful entrepreneur 
would help people at the idea stage instead of like, you know, one or three steps or two or three steps into the game. How would that change our world? Wouldn't that overnight solve basically every single problem we have in this world? And I kept on backtracking that. I'm like, why, why are we more collaborative and helping each other out? But then somewhere along the line, we become like, like that. Like, where are we unlearning this, right? The answer is education, right? So when you're in preschool or when you're in grade one, what happens? You're supposed to work with other people, but in the end, you get graded individually, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then that's yeah. how you're ranked, and that's how you get in university. So it's so it's so like a mind fuck, right? You're supposed to collaborate, but no, no, wait, wait. The SAT, like, but you know, it's called different things in different countries, but it's, it is a standardized right. test to measure an individual's ability. But hey, you know what? What thing was created by an individual that was awesome? Nothing. It was always created in a group, yeah. <laughs> right? 100%. And so, so we should never be untrained. We should never be like devolving through through education. It should be like we. First grade or preschool, yeah, 90% of your grade is how you collaborate. Yeah. 10% is based on your individual skills, right? Yeah. And so by the time we're 10 or 11, we would become masters at collaborating and creation or creating something useful for our community, right? And so it doesn't have to be like, you know, so our vision is one day the word innovation or the word like entrepreneurship doesn't have to be such a big mystery, right? So mm-hmm. we, so that, that's, that's what, People say, wow, you did over 25 cohorts as a pre-accelerator? How did you like, you know, fight off the urge to not become an accelerator or, or, or something later stage? I said, it's simple, because if we did something later stage, we would never realize this vision. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, no, so in the, the first 21 cohorts before I, I pivoted all into Bitcoin, didn't matter. Like, like our cohorts were like half, roughly half female, half male. I did it to be statistically objective. And it didn't matter what kind of industry you come. You could be Web3, you could be AI, you could be a drone, you could be a, a restaurant SaaS product. You could even be like beachwear, right? But if you're coming in with an idea, right? I, I want you to come in. I want you to come in and I want to see if there are overlapping patterns, no matter what industry, no matter what culture you're from or what gender you're from. And what we found out after 21 course is that there are things that overlap every single startup from ideation to pre-seed investment ready. Right. And so that that is a scientific uh, building box of a startup. It's the, it's as hard as gravity, right? You, you cannot escape it. But of course, when you try to overlap it, there are parts that are that are specific to projects, and that's industry specific, or maybe because of the the founder's background or skill or whatever, right? Or maybe the era or the culture. Those are not scientific. Those are those are like uh, uh, situational based, right? But there are scientific pieces, right? And then that was that was why we 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 did the hard thing. Right. Instead of if you focus on vertical, it's much easier to come out of the woods, so to speak. Sure. Um, we did the hard thing, agnostic, until we found the pattern. The last year we were in China, this is all in China, by the way, became the longest running pre accelerator in all of China. Second place was, um, they had done two courts in Shanghai. I'm not going to name them because, you know, they're the most famous pre accelerator out of Silicon Valley, but they got to number three. They couldn't <laughs> hack it. You know, we did 21, you know, might be nothing like 10x, but, you know, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> Humble brag, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so... So hang so, on, sorry, sorry just, to, just to clarify. So yeah. you have 21 cohorts in China. Yeah. Before... yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. becoming the longest running pre accelerator in all of China. It's tough in wow. China. I mean, I, I, we could double click on that if, you're, if, you, if you care about it. But, you know, I'm getting to the Bitcoin part. So the last year, we almost did 12 cohorts. 
Wow. So so wow. we just like you know when most people can't even like number two they did two, and then um most people can't even get the first one off the ground because it's just so rough in China. You know, there's opportunity there, but oh man, it's yeah. like the same number of opportunities in the U.S., but you have five times the population. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, right? so, I, so it's, yeah. it's just like people like, like just, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> um, and then, and then, so, you know, we're like, we finally made it, you know, we, we got the hang of this, you know, we're finally like on the other, other end, we're building our brand. All right. What happens? Okay. What, COVID lockdown happens, but even before then, what happens is that, okay, the government came up with a policy. Oh, in these growth sectors, by the way, if you're not Chinese, you cannot hold equity. You have to give up your equity to someone who's Chinese. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that 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 was the that was the at the time the uh the uh seemingly unfortunate turn of events. Right. But if if that door had not closed for me, the light bulb for Bitcoin for self sovereignty would not have clicked for me. Because I thought that was a bunch of like mumbo jumbo, like you know, people talking about like uh ideals that could never be reached, right? But when my equity was like stripped away from me. I was like, hold on. Yeah, maybe Bitcoin does make sense. And now I'm going to dedicate the pre-accelerator to building a sustainable Bitcoin economy. And that's it. Keep, keep the powers that be more honest, right? Yeah. Probably not keep them no, that's, that's, honest, but at least, at least there's a balancing, you know, there's, like there's some strong balancing. motivator. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. That, that's what happened. That's how I got into Bitcoin. That's awesome. So tell us a little, I want to go back to China a little bit, but I, I want to keep going to the, bit, the Bitcoin side of things first. And, you know, obviously you, you hit this moment, you have this inflection point, you have this unfortunate event with equity and this change in regulation in China. And now you're looking at Bitcoin as, you know, it, it's sovereign money, right? It's, it's a way for you to retain control without any sort of centralized entity. How did you go from that to starting to pivot the entire accelerator towards Bitcoin focused ideas? Because I think, you know, a lot of people look at Bitcoin, they see store of value, they see digital gold, they see, you know, it's going to function as a way for us to maybe use it for payments or remittances, but not a lot of people are looking at it, or it's not getting as much attention in terms of like the smart contract capabilities, the it doesn't have the same, I think, nexus of community around like the dynamism around creating some of these extended applications and different DAP layers and things like that. And so I think they're there, but I think they're less, they get less attention. So what drove your, your thinking around focusing on Bitcoin and trying to elevate the awareness and bring some of that innovation out? Yeah, okay. So the answer I'm going to give you is the truth. It's not going to be very sexy. Okay, it's not going to be very sexy, um, but it's the truth. All right. So one thing is the light bulb went off, but that wasn't, that was sort of like the catalyst, right, for me to dive into it. And when I, when I pivoted all into Bitcoin, you know, like <laughs> more than once people would say, what? You just did 21 cores. You're going to go take this to Bitcoin to die. <laughs> He's doing the long walk of death. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was hard, right? Yeah. Because it, it was like the, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to say which investment, like top three investment from like VC firm globally, right? And they had invested in like uh, Ripple. I talked to an investor, the first, the first investor for, <laughs> for like finance, like, like some heavy hitters, right? And they're like, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> they're like, 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 <laughs> I was like, I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, yeah, yeah. And, and then, so, so I, these are defining moments for everyone. Right? So, you know, one of the things that the, um, 
as Ash knows, like one of the, one of the things we 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 try to uh, uh, transplant to other people, right, in our program, right, um, transfer to other people is this idea of a fulcrum, right. So part of that fulcrum, you have to um, have an arbitrage opportunity, right. Otherwise, like why do marginal innovation? It's not it's not interesting. I do something that could ten x, hundred x, whatever, right. So yep. so I said, well, I'll go to Ethereum where there's a bunch of geniuses. So you know, I'm I you know I'm not gonna stand out, right? And um, it's it's and and I like I'm, I was a novice, right? I was like, why is like Bitcoin at the time is like one thousandth or even like maybe one two thousandth TBL compared to <laughs> Ethereum? And maybe that wasn't even like real TBL, right? <laughs> okay, and, but yet it was um a several times the, the the market cap. I was like. This, that doesn't make sense like you know there's like this massive like it seemed like a, like in my mind i saw this massive dam building up pressure and there's no release valve right i was just like okay that's that that's that's odd like just like is this a land grab but there's a gate around it you know it's a land grab but there's a gate around it you can't get in there's no programmability right and i and, and then but people were experimenting with it so it was a calculated risk i just figured you know how hard could it be to create programmability on Bitcoin? I, again, I was naive, right? But you know, I, in my mind, it's like if Ethereum did it, they're going to do it on Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> right? And, <laughs> right? That was that was that was like you know, I didn't done the deep dive yet, and then and I was thinking like like you know what? I can meet everyone in Bitcoin. There's not that many people. <laughs> There's not many many people. I could be like a, a like a big fish in a small pond. Right, or at least I could meet network real fast. But Ethereum, like, if I had to meet all the top people on Ethereum, oh geez, like that probably take an entire lifetime. But in Bitcoin, it just took less than a year. The the way I saw it was okay. There's there's two scenarios, right? I I go to Bitcoin, they never crack the programmability, right? It never takes off. But then I would have already gotten some experience in Web three, right? Um, in Bitcoin because it was easier for me to put together cohort over there. For me, it was easy because uh, I had to leave China because uh, no longer worth the time there, uh, and the light bulb went off for Bitcoin, and then it was a it was a big opportunity with almost no fishermen in the sea, right? Yeah. And even if it was not an opportunity a year later, then at least I'd cut my teeth on on blockchain, and then I could then then I would be better positioned to go to Ethereum. And by the way, the funny thing is in 2022. Uh, uh, there's uh, there are many people applying for Ethereum and and uh, near Polygon and uh, Solana, but whenever whenever I call them up, they were always trying to convince me to do the pre-starter over there. <laughs> they, they, they actually did not want to build on Bitcoin right. in 2022, so it was it was tough. It was it was very tough. So with 21, 22 cohorts under your belt, coming over from China, starting with this new focus on Bitcoin. You, I mean, obviously have a wealth of lessons that you're carrying over from all of that experience in China. And I'm curious, you know, even though you're making this contrarian bet on Bitcoin and you're going forward with that, you're, you, you have the advantage of having so much experience behind you with the accelerator. And I'm curious, you know, how has that given you an advantage or a unique opportunity here to be a catalyst for innovation on the Bitcoin side because you're able to sort of bootstrap this community and use those lessons learned to play forward with people that do want to innovate on Bitcoin? Well, that's a good question. Part of it is something I, I shared earlier, which was we took 21 course to figure out the science of turning an idea into investment-ready startup. 
So that, that saved a lot of time. Um, so we didn't have to reinvent the wheel there. We just had to optimize for Bitcoin. But those 21 core, cores develop a site type of mental fortitude. Yeah. Um, you know, it, because one of the most challenging things about a pre-accelerator is not getting it started. It's about, it's about being able to, to stick with it. Because the reality is that a lot of people are not ready yet to come to even pre-accelerator. And when you put time and uh, energy and you put your heart into it, but, and then you're believing in them. And then you find out that they don't believe in themselves as much as you believe in them. And that's, that's a huge emotional letdown. Now, what makes that worth it is because you believe in others and they step up to the plate and they hit it out of the park. Right. But yeah, yeah. that's what, that's what can keep you going. But you know, those are like uplifting moments, but you know, for every one of those, there's maybe 20 that, that um, do not step up to the plate, at least not um, in the short run. Right. So it's, it's, it's actually more like an emotional challenge to be able to get through that many cohorts than, than anything else. Yeah. And so uh, I, I had already developed that mental fortitude after 21 cohorts. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, as someone who's like been in the incubator and going through it right now, like one of the most empowering things is to like see this people, like group of people who come from like this different set of backgrounds, and like you know you're you're seeing like it's it's not fucking easy, right? Like it's like every single day you're like battle tested to try and combat your own like mental issues about whether this will work. Then you have to go outside and prove it. And every time you can go three steps forward, sometimes you take two steps back. You have to like you know reanalyze and re look at like look at the battlefield better and but because of all those things one of the most coolest things and it's been super rewarding especially this past couple of weeks because it's like you know you're seeing people like finally get this finally this idea of this fulcrum right that albert mentioned earlier yeah yeah and you're like so excited for them because you can like see yeah. them be like holy fucking shit they're putting their pitch together right like, this is <laughs> thing that like yeah. works like yeah. this could really be something that's valid right and it's it's kind of like weird, right? It's like uh, like getting a glimpse of that zero to one opportunity. Yeah, and it's also like you're you're seeing like it's it's kind of like you're when you come, it's like going to a boot camp, right? Like you go to that boot camp in the beginning, and all of you think you're either the shit or like not the shit, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's one yeah. of the two, yeah, right? There's no middle grounds in that time, and then usually these people get humbled to that shelling point in the middle. And then you're like, oh, okay, reality's hitting in. We need to band together and we work together and we all help each other to be like, oh, dude, here's how you think about traction. Here's how you think about like the financials of this. Here's how you think about the tech stack. And like now you're seeing these kind of like this, this like these budding of these opportunities where people are starting to look at their decks and they're looking at their pitch opportunities. And like, not, I can't tell you like how much of a big fucking smile I have my, on my face when I look at these people and I'm like, holy shit, like this is awesome. I'm so happy for like, there's something kind of like awesomely empowering in that, even though you just had like a minor conversation with someone and you're just like, oh, wow, like this person's figured it out now. And, and here's the other thing that Albert's not like, not, okay. So like, this is where I would love to see Albert's face on this, right? <laughs> so Albert is like, so I swear like a dirty pirate, right? Like, but Albert's like, Albert doesn't swear, but he is no filter in telling you like hey this is fucking bullshit like don't fucking do this idea yeah. <laughs> right um and it's amazing to see that filter where he's like hey this doesn't work because of xyz and like not only forget a through the x like these are all the things that won't work with it in my opinion and he has that experience of like you know through the cohorts to be like dude 
I kind of know what sticks and what doesn't stick, right? And he'll tell you that. And like that is like genuine feedback that you can get so that you don't have people that like, you're like, you come up with this idea, you come up with the deck, you go out there and then you like pitch to a bunch of people and they just gas you up. They're like, oh, this is great. Right. This is interesting. Right. You know, <laughs> we're not allocating right now for this, but we'd love you to come back. Like, go, go, go to your mom or dad for that, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, the, it signal the noise. Yeah. Like yeah. that's super fucking critical. And I can't like, I can't emphasize like how amazing it is to get that from like someone who's like, oh, like don't do this because of this. You know, don't go there because of this. Yeah, absolutely. Don't build this stack because of this. It's like, and this is what I know. Well, and the yeah, exactly. The because of this is because it's experience. Yeah. Right. And it's rare to see people give that insight. So I just want to add that in there. Like that is someone who's like going through it right now. Like, dude, we looked so far and wide to like try and figure out what the fuck to build there. And every time we looked at it, like, and we were thinking about doing something else. And he was like, dude, 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 think about it this way. And think about the whole value stack and then think about like what you could do over here for this instead of being like, oh, you can do this in this other field yep. and then you can own everything. Yep. Right. You could be a foundational member there. Um, that kind of advice is like it comes through someone who's like, I'm not going to bullshit you. And it's someone who's like, dude, like, you know, I've been through the shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to add that in there. No, I, no, I think it's a great observation. And. Albert, I wanted to go back to something that you were talking about in terms of, you know, just that emotional roller coaster and how that's coming from you have this sort of 80-20 or maybe even 90-10 or 95-5 distribution of, you know, the founders who have the emotional fortitude to get through, you know, that, that trough of despair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've seen patterns, obviously. You know, I think people who build great things and build them repeatedly, they're great identifying patterns and you've obviously cracked the code on some of this in terms of what you know looks to be a promising founder versus maybe somebody who's not going to make it what what would you say about you know the qualities of somebody who is suited for entrepreneurship in this way like have you noticed certain traits or aspects and i'm not talking about the ideas so much as you know what what does somebody need to come with in terms of emotional readiness and perspective yeah, that's a good question. So let me start with saying that um, let's talk. Let's talk about like a startup founder, because I would sort of that's a little different from say a a business founder. And so what I mean by that is a startup is a subset of a business. It's uh, it's this disruptive. It's in an industry that's growing fast. There's a massive arbitrage opportunity. Technology is involved. Whereas a business is more like cookie cutter. Like, you know, anyone could, like restaurants is like a business, right? Because 95% sure. is already turnkey. Okay, so um, let's talk about startups. They're almost like the special forces. They have the talent of <laughs> yeah. become, yeah. Yeah, because it, it is as much mental game as it, it is stamina, right? And and that's that's why yes there are older founders that succeed but more often than not they've already cut their teeth when they're younger right sure but uh it's not a coincidence that you know the top five biggest tech companies in the world are started by people in their 20s um because there's a stamina thing there um they they tend to have you know a lot of people say iq doesn't matter for um 
business and I don't think it does, but for a startup, for a tech startup, it absolutely matters. Now, it may only matter 20%, but if you do everything else right and you don't have a high IQ, you're just hitting 80%. Sure. And then, you know, you're not, you're not, and then you have to be in the top 1% if you want to really compete, right? So, so that, that is a, that is a prerequisite. Now, probably something that takes up a, a high degree of the 80% there is a combination of mental flexibility and grit. Like uh, some people might call it resilience, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the ability to just move forward, but then also adapt as the, to to bring in new information and to reinvent the way we think quickly every day. Yeah. So that's that's the hallmark of a of a founder, and then they 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 usually have some kind of drive beyond the money. But don't get me wrong, I I, I, I that's also a trait of successful founders. They also understand the value of money, right? But they they have something beyond that. Say a little bit more about the the value of money part, because I think that's an interesting observation that may be sort of implied or expected in some cases. But I think there's something a little bit more nuanced to that in terms of what motivates a founder economically. Like, you know, there's lots of ways to make a buck in the world. But say more about what you mean about, you know, caring about money, caring about money in terms of fueling the bigger vision, caring about building bigger things. How do you think about that? Yeah. So it has to do with, like, no matter what industry they're from, I noticed that successful startup founders, they have like this innate understanding of time is limited. Time mm -hmm. is limited, right? Some people like just, they stick with their vision. It's not working. And a year goes by, two years go three. No, uh, like a, 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 a successful startup founder who is on. I'm not saying like if they have that mindset, they'll never succeed. Um, it is possible to to jump over from having an unsuccessful mindset to successful. Right? But once they're on, um, they have this innate, like they, they, they feel like it's, they're very sensitive to time and they're very resourceful, right? And uh, being resourceful means that what tools do we have at our disposal to um, make more out of our time? And they see money as one of those essential tools that that they can leverage, right? That they can leverage to Absolutely. to um, yeah do more in the same amount of time because time is limited. Yeah. yeah, I have a I have a like a quote. I have like a quote somewhere on my in my room. It's like uh, money is infinite, time is limited, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> or like, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you could almost almost infinitely leverage your time if you have an infinite amount of money, right? So yeah, yeah absolutely. almost, yeah. Abundance mindset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, right, so dig into yeah. the program a little bit more because I think it's, it's you know, there, there's kind of a formula, I guess, for an accelerator, but you said at the beginning of this whole conversation, you, you feel like you guys, you know some things that others may not. Uh, we'll go back to that 10X reference, but... Um, what are you guys doing differently? How are you guys, you know, getting people through all of this curriculum in 12 weeks in a way that's impactful and actually moves the needle? What are our differentiators? Like how are we different? Is that yep. the question? Yep. Yeah, I, I think one is, I, I'm not really sure how many teams could say that they've done 25 cohorts of pre-acceleration. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, um, we are the top team globally, right? Um, but the world's a big place. I, I maybe I haven't met 
um, the other team that has more experience than us. So let's just say we're top three. So that that in itself is a differentiator. Um, the second thing is because we've um, spent time in the U.S. and globally, and also in China, we have more data points on what really is a science and what is only industry or cultural specific. Right? If if you take a look at a lot of startup books, um, it's unspoken that they're speaking from a certain type of culture, from a certain type of industry, and a certain type of time. So we've gone way beyond that with our science. Right? Our, our science has been proven, and it will, will prove that it, it transcends time. As long as you're building a, a uh, for-profit startup, this will transcend time and industry. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I think very few people have. Yeah, so one is just the, 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 the experience it takes to do something like this effectively for people. And then, and then the, the second part is really about selection, right? You asked me about what those traits are for people. Now, we take, we take the bet um, before anyone else is willing to take the bet. So this is not exact science, but we're getting better and better at it. Right? For example, it was like maybe one out of a, a quarter of 20 before. Um, when we first started Bitcoin, it was maybe four out of the cohort that could get through a gauntlet and get funding, get an accelerator, et cetera. For this core, it looks like there's going to be well over 10 that are going to not just get funding, go through Accelerator, but perhaps make some game changers, right? So we're wow. getting better at it. So, yeah, so it's, 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 uh, it's accelerating. Um, and, yeah, we're blessed to be able to be in contact with so many talented people, right? And so that's, that's the second thing is it's really about crafting uh, enough talented people together, right? Um, and then giving them a, a structured um, process and sequence, right? Because I, I notice a lot of talented people, they work really hard, really smart, um, and they even have resources, but they still fail, right? But it, 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 when you have, it seems like you have all the pieces, but you can't put them together. It just means that they're not doing the right sequence. They're not doing the right things in the right sequence, right? right? But once you know the right sequence and the right things, all of a sudden, all that wasted energy doing a bunch of other stuff and, you know, doing things out of sequence, well, you could put all that energy into doing the right things, the right sequence, and you just 1000 X your ability to succeed. Right. So that's, that's really Absolutely. important. Now, yeah, yeah that's a 12 week program, right. Up to demo day. Uh, but we, we found that we have to sort of massage our brains a little bit in order to, to be able to have the maximum number of people, uh, reach transformation, as Ash was talking about, is a is a transformative process. I believe that training is super important. I mean, a Navy SEAL is talented, right? But they would never be a Navy SEAL if they didn't have the right training. So, right. and and their training is transformative, and our training should be any training that people take should be transformative. Otherwise, how can you charge for it? How can you justify people spending time um, on this, right? So, in order to be fully transformative, we have a we have a three week warm up program where we help everyone re reverse engineer a Web3 startup from the mature stage to a startup stage down to what Ash mentioned as a fulcrum, right? And that, 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 that starts reinventing our brain to create the framework and to become aware of the sequence a startup should be built in, right? And then that, that's more high level, right? It doesn't go very deep, but it does massage your brain. It does warm you up. To become malleable. I, 
I love that. It's it's kind of like when you watch a, a cooking demonstration and you watch a master chef go through the process, right? Yeah. And they, they prepare the dish and you see what it's supposed to look like. And even if you know you're not going to get there out of the gate, like you know what you're striving for, you know what success looks like. That's that's great. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, exactly. They're so like, um, like systematic, right? Like a Absolutely. master chef. Yeah. What, what what is the sequence? If, if you don't mind sharing, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us the secret, Albert. Listeners want to know. Let's get making the next call. Right? <laughs> you, you have you have to sign up. You have to sign up to to get the whole sequence. You know? Oh, it's a secret um, sauce. Okay, okay, okay. It's a secret sauce. But I'll I'll share some. I'll, I'll share like one out of you know over ten things. Right. Um, so part of the secret is. The first step is becoming aware, right? So, you know, this happened to me, it happened to you know everyone I know, and it happened to, when, when you dig into, like say, Elon Musk's story or who, who, who's ever story, right? You know, what happens is you find out that everyone, no one is, no one is immune to being socialized into yeah. thinking um, in the wrong way, right? Like none of us have, you know, in the beginning we're all, brainwash into becoming individuals because of these standardized tests and you know who got the who got the 100 who got the 95 percent, blah 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 right these ranking systems so it's really about becoming aware of that first and then unlearning that so how come how come even elon musk right someone like at that level right when he started paypal he wanted to create a, a digital bank he was you know maybe 20 years too early but he had the product in mind but then eventually he pivoted and then and then made PayPal, right, with his team. But then ever since after that, he, he instead of putting the product first, he put customers first, right? If you look yeah. at Tesla, you know, did he build out the manufacturing plant and make like all those cars first? Or did he do pre-orders and take $100,000 from everyone first until he had enough <laughs> yeah. money? To, <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay, so, so that's, yeah. that's one sequence, right? That's one out of over 10, you know? So when you put all these sequences together, then you have a very clear path, like one, two, three, four, right? And and and, and so you, so I mean, like you could have a hundred thousand dollars, but it could act like as if he had ten million dollars. And if someone sure. with ten million dollars doesn't know the sequence, is 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 they burn through it like they didn't have a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and so yeah. much to like what Albert says, it is really like a process. Like we never, you never think of it, right? As someone who's like already built and failed at startups, and like it's really kind of funny, like. Uh, I came into that warm-up program, right? And he's like, dude, like, you've got to think of yourself as, like, a glass full of water. He's like, you need to empty all that water out. Because he's like, you can't think the way you did in the past and then apply those same things there. He's like, some of those muscle mechanics and that mental memory is good. But he's like, you need to think, like, empty. And mm -hmm. let me fill you up with some knowledge and then trust the process to do this. And, like, the process fucking works. Like that's the that's the only <laughs> way I can fucking say. It. Like, like if I look at the cohort and I'm like, dude, we have like 40 people there, and it's kind of funny. I'm looking at people from the previous cohort, and like, you know, they're pre-seed about like their pre-seed raises now, and that they're you know celebrating on Telegram and on Twitter Spaces, and I'm like, holy shit! Like, you know, they've gone through the same process. You got to trust the process, and it really is a process. It's like when he says it's like Formula A, bro. Like, I never thought of it that way i thought like you can just fall forward with a smile and just keep at it and then you know 
go at it and then everything will be fine. Yeah. But like you can fall forward with a smile and do it with less falls and get there way far. Okay. Um, and I, you know, the dude, the dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it. All right. I need a business idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. I need to get in the lab here. Come on now. Yeah. Well, well, the, the nice thing about Bitcoin is that there are way more unicorn ideas than, than teams right now. That's true. There's a lot nice of white thing. space, right? <laughs> yeah. There's, t- there's like a massive ocean with almost no fishermen. <laughs> Albert, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, Give us a quick shout out. How can people find out more about Bitcoin Startup Lab? Where do they connect? Yeah, reach out to Ash or, you know, go to our website, btcstartuplab.com. And Twitter is, is also the same, at btcstartuplab, right? Or our website has all the information. You could click apply now. Um, applications are open now, so it's perfect timing. And yeah, I'd love to come back for round two for the show, man. You guys all have fun. Yeah, and, let's um, do it. Hell yeah, yeah doing a great thing awesome. here. Thanks, Thanks. Sash. Before we go, let's uh, let's talk just a little bit more about kind of why somebody would want to build on Bitcoin as opposed to certain other networks. Most people were thinking of that, and most people thought about it as like, "Hey, let's build a side chain to Bitcoin," and hence, uh, and hence, like stacks became a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like uh, root stock became a thing. Yep. Right. But like recently, ordinals kind of became this thing where yeah. you can kind of like think about how you commit data to the L1 itself, which is Bitcoin, right? And ordinal theory done by this guy called Casey Rodemore, super interesting guy. He's one of the people that spoke in the cohort and he's building this new, more efficient methodology of like committing data on there, onto the L1 itself. It's called Runes Protocol. I have nothing to do with it. Like we looked at it as a possible deployment surface area for something that we wanted to build in the DeFi primitive over there. Mm-hmm. But then we cho- we chose to go elsewhere for our own personal reasons. But nonetheless, like this is kind of like sparked this innovation like on Bitcoin, which is like, holy shit, like we may not have smart contracts, right? Like a lot of the other chains, like even Cardano, which is a UTXO chain, has smart contracts and it has lots of tooling to support builders. There may be limitations technically there, here and there, but still it has more tooling to do that. You know, um, and Bitcoin being a script language also creates another kind of barrier of entry for people. Right. So you're going to have to like kind of relearn those things. Give it this way. It's like you want to build in a sandbox where there's like a bunch of other people and they're all competing for the same slice pie. And it kind of becomes like a interspecies competition, you know, is the way I would think about it. We're all the same kind of breed of animal trying to compete for a small sliver of a pie. Or limited block space. Exactly. Right. <laughs> limited block space, yeah. limited user attention, limited like amounts of money. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or we can go to this other sandbox and then think about like building stuff over there. Right. And that's the kind of thing about why you should really think about entertaining the idea of building on there. So this whole inscription and ordinal theory thing that's happened on the L1 has given rise to these meta protocols, right? Like ordinals is a real thing. Like Taproot Wizards is yeah. a group of dudes who are like- They're hilarious. Yeah, fucking like troll lords, bro. Yeah, troll awesome. lords. And, but the, cool. the tech stack is like legit, right? Like they have taken something that Casey's put up and then they're like building on it. And that's allowed for all these kinds of like new primitives of like how you inscribe stuff onto the chain to occur, getting NFTs on the chain to occur, like all that stuff is crazy. Like- well, what's what's so cool about this direction that you're talking about is like, I'm a firm believer that creativity is the best partner or constraint is the best partner for creativity. Yeah. Right. And so when we look at a new sandbox like Bitcoin, 
and we just accept it for what it is, yeah. right? Let's not try to make it an EVM. Yeah. Let's take it for what it is and start from first principles. Like what kind of raw innovation can happen in this new playground? Yeah. I mean, I think of it as like, honestly, so there's limitations in terms of smart contracts, right? The way we traditionally look at it in Ethereum, right? Or elsewhere, right? But there is these new things that we can use called like DLCs, like discrete log contracts or PSBTs, PSBTs, which are like partially signed Bitcoin transactions, right? Which is like unique ways to think about how multi-seek could work. Unique ways oh, to think about like yeah. how you can have an escrow service around like this DLCs, right? And that can mimic these kinds of solutions that are there, right? And obviously like now with ordinal theory becoming this thing where it's like, oh, we can decide how and what data that we can keep up there to be a real thing. Like you can always fork one of these implementations and then like try and do your own thing on top of the L1. Yeah. So in a way, um, like the way I look at it is kind of like the Red Queen um, like approach. Have you heard about that? No. It's like this thing, evolutionary biology, right? It's like, if you're not really growing, you're in fact standing still. So like if you look at other predators and other animals in the ecosystem, like if they're not actively evolving to try and compete, you're in fact just you have to compete and actively evolve to in fact stay still. If you're not doing that, you're in fact just dying off. You just don't notice. It. You're not growing or dying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the weird thing. So it's like I think that this whole meta protocol thing of like building on the UTXOs, um, like damn the transaction fees and all this stuff it's still fascinating to encourage because like, let's be very honest here. No one knows like what's going to stick and what's not going to stick. Yeah. Right. We're all just like running experiments and all these experiments have trade-offs, right? Like, so the cool thing is like, we should be encouraging this. Like forget about the fees. It's a minor hiccup. Like the reality is, is that compute on Bitcoin and any other UTXO chain is a good thing that we should be trying to foster, right? You may not like the type of dick pics that end up on chain or that dooms on fucking Dogecoin and all this other shit, right? But that's irrelevant because what should be heralded as like something like, like, wow, that's cool, is that someone figured out how to do this. And now you can think about like, maybe this implementation could do something that builds a new use case. Yeah. And that's super fucking cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, man, like, honestly, I would say that like people who are like wanting to come into the new space or like looking for like new kind of like blue oceans or whatever, don't sleep on it. Like it is really interesting stuff that's happening on there. And even there's L2s that are coming on Bitcoin that are EVM compatible. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. theoretically you could fork a solidity product and then basically put it right on this L2 that's in fact committing to Bitcoin as the L1. Wow. What I wow, what I think right. about too is like just I think about JavaScript. Yeah. In the early days of the internet, JavaScript was this bastard child that <laughs> nobody wanted to learn. It was difficult. People thought it was incapable. And you just kind of cast it aside. And we had all these other things like Java and all of these, you know, cold fusion and all of these like very <laughs> proprietary languages that we're trying to do these interactions with and you know, like this middle layer on the web. Yeah. And then Ajax comes around and suddenly JavaScript is like Oh, that's useful. And now JavaScript is, you know, between JavaScript and TypeScript, like it's powering the web, right? Oh, yes. And it's it's like we're doing things with it. We never Figma, right? We built an entire visual design editor in JavaScript. Like that wouldn't happen unless somebody looked at 
something that they thought was limited and said, maybe it's not so limited anymore. Exactly. I think of it as like all the innovation that's happening right now is building this like, it's not like creating new bandwidth. It's just already recognizing the bandwidth potential that's really there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can't really, I mean, like, I can't, like, I can't tell you, like, how many people that are there that are just, like, on one side, they're like, hey, we should never have this because my fees are too high. But I, and this is my personal opinion, if a compute thesis doesn't actively develop on something like Bitcoin, though what happens is that then like what is the real reason that people should have all this infrastructure really running outside of their bags being super heavy right <laughs> yeah right like yeah. so you should be rooting you should be rooting for every fucking compute rooting <laughs> yeah you should utility equals longevity yeah. yeah next time you see a taproot wizard out there you know Thank them for their service exactly <laughs> it might be a homeless person but nonetheless, it could be a tapered wizard, so give them fucking props, right? <laughs> yeah. But like, this is a real thing. So like, I would strongly encourage anyone who is looking at that space and looking to be like, oh, like, hey, I want to build something of a DeFi primitive on there, or I want to explore this based on this stack. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Like even order books, for example, order books work way better on UTXO systems. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they, they, it's 100%. just... It's just way better. Yeah. Like, and you would be surprised. A ask me how many order books there are on on Bitcoin. There's like one. You're telling me you don't want to be the second one. <laughs> You're telling me you don't want to be the third one. You don't want to be the sushi swap to the existing order book that's there, right? Or the Uniswap that's there that's gonna like kind of like order like run that business. Like, there is so much tooling that can be built. And so, for someone who's just like, hey, if you're not afraid about solving problems, like, just go fucking solve. And this guy's uh, this guy's legit. You know, he's done 20, 20, 21 cores before Bitcoin. So yeah, there's a reason yeah. why he knows something about something, right? Yeah, he's bringing yeah, yeah. that to some white space. That's dude, like, super interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, like, all the people, like, I, I don't want to say their specific like companies or whatever, but a bunch of these companies have raised like now, and they're raising like pre-seeds of like around like anywhere between a million and a half to like three to four million. Nice, nice. and that's like unheard of, like in terms of a, a Bitcoin startup that wasn't like a traditional finance Bitcoin startup. So yeah. um, the only thing I would say, it, and it's a, it's a selective process, like 40 of us out of like something like 2000 people got selected. Damn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like there is a certain selection process that's there. So, but I like, didn't realize I'm, you were such a rare NFT. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, like, I'm just a dumb guy that just falls forward. That's You're a one of one, smile. my friend. Yeah, I'm a one of one. Yeah, I'm a one of one dumb guy smiling forward. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, but I would encourage people to like actively like go check it out, you know? Yeah. And it's not like you have to build on Bitcoin. You can build anywhere. But the process does fucking work, right? Like it puts it, it reframes your perspective on like what is viable and not viable, yep. who you need, who you don't need, why you think this way, and like why you need to change their thinking to like be successful. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, guys. Awesome. All right. Fuck yeah. Should we go shout out, shout out Albert. Yeah.